Hello to our listeners and welcome to TNT ESQ. Along with my co-host Teresa Quinlan, I'm Rhys Thomas. We make up TNT. For those of you who don't know, TNT is our initials. Simple, right? Uh, we're here to explode the status quo. This series is all about talking with people who are helping us to think differently so we can start doing differently. Today, we welcome Brooke Errol to TNT ESQ. Brooke started her career at IBM following a very traditional path that she was given to be quote unquote successful. Now she quit this great job, great job on paper after 11 years because she was feeling like she wasn't quite aligned with it. She started her journey to find her purpose in life. And I'm hoping our listeners are all going, yep, I feel the same way. So in 2003, Brooke started her first business, Your Best Life, to help professionals who want to find more meaning at work. And after being around so many unhappy people at work, she decided it's time to start a second business, Purposeful Business. And this is all about helping leaders grow their businesses without sacrificing the well-being of their people, having a purpose beyond profit. Brooke Believes Life is way too precious to live only for weekends and retirement. She's the author of Create a Life You Love. She's also the co-author of From Hierarchy to High Performance that became an international bestseller in 2018. She speaks and writes about leadership, purposeful life, purposeful organizations in the U.S. and abroad, and dare we say global. Welcome to TNT ESQ, Brooke. We are so happy to have you here today. And thank you for having me. Thank you. Thanks, Reese. Thanks, Teresa. It's exciting to talk about these topics that you bring forth with everyone. Thanks for all you do. Thank you. So great to have you here. And uh, I'm anticipating a very purposeful conversation. (laughs) (laughs) If we go back to that intro and underline, how many times did we hear the word purpose or alignment? Uh, (laughs) You could probably even put in words like happiness and joy and meaning. And it's just so important, of course. We all want, I think we all really want that to our core, day in and day out for that to be our experience. So I'm also excited to hear about the passion and obsession of how this started for you, where it came from, and what keeps the engine burning for you. Yeah, thank you for that question. And I've been asked that, and I asked that to Microsoft too, where did I start with this whole purpose thing? And there's no other way to explain it, but like really do having done everything like you were reading in my bio, like um, done everything in the way that I was taught, like the traditional formula, right? So after having done that and got to that place where I have this good job, you start to ask, like, at least that's who I was probably asking, okay, is this it? And at the time, like this is 25, more than 25 years ago. If you had the job, you had it for 20, 30 years and retire from it. So I'm sitting at that job and thinking, oh my God, is this where I want to be for the rest of my life? And it just didn't feel right, first of all. The second of all, I just had to find the purpose in what I'm doing every single day. But how am I contributing to my company to my society to my country that's how i think i always want to see the big picture so i had to find that for myself 
because nobody was talking about purpose at the time and they were you were the black sheep at the time i said what you have this good job and you asked that like are you spoiled or something but at the same time i couldn't stop myself and i was asking myself what's my purpose in life what is your purpose working here it really started with probably a dissatisfaction in myself a misalignment um i shouldn't say not being happy but i wasn't fulfilled also, I was looking at people only living for the weekends and for a retirement. That made no sense to me whatsoever. Five days out of seven days, I would feel bad or not like what I do. But then love my Saturdays and Sundays. I mean, I said, this is some fundamentally wrong. <laughs> so that's how my search started, really. Amazing. So, um, yeah. Lots of questions. I think the first thing that comes up when you're describing yourself, we ask people to come up with a bio, you know, who are you? you know, why are you doing this? What's your, what's your purpose? Um, I was talking to someone last night on a call. He's a Native American um, storyteller. He helps people with you know, many things. One of the things is helps people introduce themselves. So we were talking about the, the kind of white middle class stereotype idea of, you know, who am I is my job and you know, that's about as far as it gets, maybe a few more things if you're a little bit more aware, but um, I'm interested to know what it was that kind of helped you find that, find that that wasn't enough. You know, how did you realize that um, only, living two, only living two days out of seven uh, wasn't enough? You know, what is it that gives you that, um, finds that purpose? So I think first of all, like watching and observing what's happening around me, not only myself, like I said, not loving five days out of seven, also not bringing your whole self to work. And also as a woman in a technology company, kind of, not kind of, really, honestly being told to wear my man's hat coming to work. And also like having the eight to five, and even if I'm one of the most productive ones, Maybe I do my job much better without looking around or spending my time wisely. Leaving at five o'clock did not sound to be good. Like people will look at you and say, you leave at five? Yeah, I have a child and I want to go home and take care of my child. I mean, everything that was part of the normal work culture was kind of weird to me. It just didn't make any sense. It was making me unhappy but I was probably hearing myself more than many people do. So I couldn't accept what I was told to do like many others do, like just for a paycheck. It just made no sense. I really had to feel passionate about what I do. I'd have no answers by the way or what I needed to do. I just knew I wasn't gonna sell technology. That wasn't gonna be my life. So I just knew that part. Then I have to do my own inner journey to find out what I want to do with my life. But I'm gonna stop there without getting ahead of myself. And I can talk a lot about this. So you have to stop me too sometimes. No, the microphone is yours. Just keep going. But there's, there's a beautiful resonance, I think, that speaks to so many people is this whole thought around, it wasn't that I wasn't happy because yes. I was experiencing happiness. I was yes. unfulfilled. There was an element missing. And that was the magnet that was pulling me and saying, there is more. Pay attention and maybe let's find out what that was. So how did you, once you sort of went, I'm going to take that leap. What was your journey like? Yeah. 
So first of all, I think just finding what my purpose at my existing job helped me. So when I do with, the, with my clients, I do the same. Don't, you don't have to jump right away and quit your job. First, figure out what you do every day means to you and the world around you. So nobody told me what our purpose is at IBM, but I said, okay, I'm bringing the best technology at the time. That's how I believed, obviously. And IBM was a great company to work for. So I said, I'm bringing the best technology to my clients so that my clients can serve their clients in a much better way. So even finding that all on my own, because nobody cares about finding that for me, I said, oh, that does sound much better than my daily tasks, doing sales and calling my customers, doing the admin work behind my proposals. I said, okay, at least I'm serving some people to do to have a better life, better business. But at the end of that, of course, I'm still saying, okay, this is not me. I am definitely still not interested. And one clue for that was I am a big reader. I'm a big avid reader since I was seven. I didn't want to turn a page of a technology magazine, technology book. I was, I had zero interest, right? Mm -hmm. So that again was a clue for me. Okay, this is not for you. And then it took me years. I'm not telling people to take years, but I'm not also saying you can't find it the next day. It took me years before I quit my job and I still didn't know what I want to do, but I knew I couldn't stand there because at some point it came to a place where I was so much in conflict with myself, it became a physical issue for me. So I started getting physically sick as well. So that was the end of it. Nobody was giving me medallions or anything for putting up with what I don't believe is what I should be doing with my life. And on top of that, which I totally believe, when you're in so much conflict with yourself, you definitely get sick. So that was the end. I said, okay, I'm done. Whatever I'm going to do, I have no idea. I don't have any jobs lined up for me. But I quit. And at the time, we were also moving to United States. We decided both of them at the same time. So with no plans, no jobs, nothing, not a big savings at all. We just came here. So it was two big things for me at the same time, I guess. Wow. While also raising a small child. Yes. Yes. <laughs> I'm a little crazy. I admit that. I'm a little bit crazy. <laughs> um. So I love that because the way you describe it makes me think that, you know, you had this feeling in your heart that you needed to do something different, but maybe your head was still tuned into something else that was telling you you couldn't. Yes. And it wasn't until your literally your body forced yes. you to listen to your heart that you realized that you needed to connect all those things and then you found it. So you said earlier that you you did the inner work. Now we have lots of coaches and people like that who come onto this and talk about their journey and how they've got to what they're doing and, and they found their purpose or, you know, their why. and I wonder if you would share a little bit about what you did when you said the inner purpose. Is there something you could share about how you did that? Sure. Since I'm a big book person, first of all, I found books. And we were traveling to the United States at the time, not moving yet. And I found this book called What Color Is Your Parachute? So that was a very famous book at the time, which takes you through a like a lot of series of questions that you go through. And of course, the things that you and I know by now, of course, like what keeps you in the flow, what keeps you excited, when do you feel passionate, 
What are you doing when you feel so passionate? Who is around you? What are you doing? Which tasks in your job made you so happy? I mean, all of those questions were eye-opening to me. But the biggest difference, I think, because when I came to United States, I had to make money. We didn't have a lot of savings at all. Coming from sales and marketing background, I still found jobs doing that. But in the meantime, as many people, I found an amazing career coach and a career counselor all at the same time. Of course, they made a huge difference because there's only so much you can do on your own, but you don't see your own blind spots or your limiting beliefs, which stops you all the time. Then those people, of course, can ask you the most important questions and you say, wow, I never asked that. Oh, I didn't realize it was in my subconscious. Oh, I didn't know I had this limiting belief because it feels like it's the fact and the truth to me. And when somebody takes you through that journey, that's when I said, okay, this is exactly what I want to do for others. There's so many people at work who are unhappy, but they don't know how to take the next step or they don't know what their purpose, their passion or their gifts are. Mm -hmm. this, that made me so excited going through that. I said, okay, this is what I want to do. So your best life came out of that actually. My experience with that person made me think, okay, I'm gonna go and get some coaching classes and training. And it was at the very beginning of coaching that just picking up yet. I didn't know what to call myself, what I need to be in, which platform I should be in, but coaching seemed to be the most aligned with what I want to do. So that's how it all started, yeah. And we know in coaching, you're mentoring, you're teaching, you're guiding, you're educating, you're doing so much more than just asking a question, helping someone sort of yeah. break through a little bit, right? Yeah. And yeah. one of the most important elements is, of course, being able to share your own story and experience yes. certainly helps in unlocking for other people because there's a connection piece there of where you can empathize and understand where they may be coming from and remember not so long ago. Yes. I was there and feeling and what helped me unlock might be something that could also help them to unlock. So true. So true. Yeah. You mentioned something really eloquent and also feverishly important for people to have heard. When you were working before, you were, be, you were able to identify your own purpose and what you were doing in looking at what do I love to do? I love to help my clients who are helping their clients. Like I like to help people accomplish whatever their goals are, right? So in yeah. essence, you kind of knew it yeah. so long ago, that little pebble of asking yourself, well, what do I love? Let me focus on what I really love. And that will help me to harness a little bit more happiness in my present space. And then when you took yourself out and went, now for reals, what is it that I want to do? You landed in the space of, I want to help other people yeah. <laughs> find what it is that they love to do. So the theme is exactly the same. The why is the same. The how you go about doing it, completely different. So I'm interested in your sort of perspective on how people get to the how, really. When, when you find the why, it's like the menu of how becomes totally available. But for some people, sometimes it's a really short menu. So true. So true. And I love that you made that link. And it's so true. I think it was in me in very young age, I remember myself. I wanted to people's, like touch people's lives in a positive way, but their daily lives, not, okay, I love using the technology myself, but just to help them in terms of technology wasn't my thing, right? 
So I knew I wanted to touch their lives in a positive way, but I didn't know how. So I think going through my work experience and seeing all the things that did not work for me, but many others too, like the eight to fives, the hierarchical system, not giving people their voices. I mean, all the things that I have seen that did not make sense to me in my heart made me feel so sad that I chose that part of life that I want to help people with. And just like you said, I never called myself a life coach. I've never been a life coach. I'm a career coach because I have went through this period of time in my life and not only at IBM, but other places that I worked at in San, in San Diego as well, where I could see the, what makes people motivated, what makes people miserable. And I was naturally curious about that. And uh, that made my heart like really cringe. So looking at the world right now, there's so many things that makes our hearts cringe, right? But you have to pick and choose one thing that really speaks to your heart the most and that you want to change. So one of the questions that I go with my individual clients is like, okay, when you look at the world, what was one thing that you would love to change and be a part of the change? And it's hard to choose one right now, right? There's a zillion different things. But because I went through that period of time at work and it bothered me so much to see the, the command control, the hierarchy, everything that I already mentioned, I said, okay, this is my thing. I want to start making sure that I have people with finding meaning at work. So I had to niche it down and I went back to my relevant experience with that. So that's one advice I give to my clients to one thing that you lived in your story mm -hmm. that made you feel bad, but you want to change in the world. That's one of the things that you can pick and choose and move forward. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. So um, I'm intrigued the fact that you have the two businesses when, you know, they're essentially doing the same thing, but you're doing it for an organization or you're doing it for an individual. Now I'd have the same sort of situation myself. And I'm interested to know because we often talk about um, when it comes to purpose, we talk about you know the alignment of the individual, of the team and of the organization. And one of the ways that we can think about achieving that is hiring for purpose. Now, yes. Theresa and I have often talked about hiring for emotional intelligence or other things like that, because I have a recruitment background and it's something we talk about. So I'm wondering what your thoughts are on the idea or the concept of hiring for purpose and if it's possible and how have you seen it done? How would you recommend it? <laughs> yeah, first of all, thank you. That's such an important question that I answer these days. And I think it's vital, especially at the time right now, we want to do unbiased hiring practices. Mm -hmm. It's even more important. And they, people, even my clients weren't paying as much attention as they do now. First of all, let me make the link between the. So when I started my first business helping individuals who are like me, they might have the best job, they might have laid off, but they want to make sure next time they find a job, it's something more important and meaningful to them, right? But when I work with so many hundreds of them, what I saw is a common theme. Mm. Everybody has so much potential. They have gifts to share. They have amazing capabilities, but miserable at work. That made me think, okay, what are these companies doing to these people? Why are there so many of us, right? So that made me go and do research on finding companies, which I believe they existed, where they made money. Of course, we start businesses to make money, but also their people are very happy at work. I mean, satisfied at work. 
And I found two things to be true for every company you find out in around the world. To have a great leader who has EQ, like Teresa would, I'm sure, agree with that. But also, they always had a purpose beyond profit. So from my research for years to come, I found those two denominators to be the common theme. So that's when I started my purposeful business because I said, okay, it's not enough to work with the individuals. If I can work with leaders of companies, it's going to make such a bigger impact because if they get this to make sure that they, they hire people, like you said, align with their purpose, it's going to make a huge difference and they will create the best cultures and it makes a big difference in crisis situations right now. Whenever I work to talk with CEOs of purposeful companies right now, they have no big, big crisis going on right now because they already have that culture, right? But just to answer that firing for purpose is so fundamental in the work that I do with them. As soon as we make the purpose clear for the organization, and it is an inclusive process, by the way, it's not like, okay, from now on, our purpose is this, like we're not doing command control. But after that, one of my first things that I do is going into their hiring practices mm -hmm. and we change it all together. They don't look at CVs. They don't look at LinkedIn profiles. They don't even know the names of the people who apply. Because I have a partner who does that with a great software. You only answer five questions aligned with the purpose of the job that you, is open. And people answer the questions. It's, it's open-ended questions. So nobody can really fake it. They love the experience. And then you choose based on the answers. Still, you don't know their age. You don't know their gender. They don't, you don't know their, anything about them. And I love it because you just take out the bias, first of all, and you are hiring for the right job. And it is proven again with research that they, you can find better candidates without the CVs and the experience and number of, I mean, that those things drive me crazy for years. And there are different ways to do it now. So it is definitely purpose aligned people who you're hiring. And if we, after you do your purpose alignment in the company, some people don't like that, like I didn't at IBM, right? Even if they told me this is the purpose of IBM, it wouldn't have been a great place for me to work. And you should be okay for people to leave, even support them to find the next job. So I know I answered in a really long way, but I'm very passionate <laughs> about this because hiring has to change. We have used the same systems for so long and purpose-driven hiring works so much better, really. Yes! <laughs> Hallelujah. Blind, blind selection, perfect. Yeah, yeah. What I was thinking about was like the voice, the blind audition, that TV show where people come in, <laughs> they don't know, because they hear them, they yeah. might know if it's a male or a female, but they don't really know age or anything like that. Yeah. Or, or culture or anything like that but sometimes you could see even when they're listening they will go is that a boy or a girl and they're trying to like figure yeah. it out but uh -huh. what ends up happening is they hit that button based on feel yes this person and this singer this entertainer making me feel so to think about reading answers to questions on purpose then yeah. i'm going to be able to off the page i'll experience a feeling and go oh yes to this person or yeah hell no to this person exactly. or I'm a, I don't know I'm a little sort of here or there which I think connects 
directly to then why you also need leaders with high EQs because leaders with high EQ are in tune to feelings. So if you're hiring for purpose and you have leaders who aren't emotionally intelligent, then all, then all of that work you do in hiring for purpose is just going to go to shit. True, true. The whole package comes together so beautifully. So I'm yeah. curious then in your research as well around purpose beyond profit, what uh -huh. you're finding in organizations as what are their other thing? What is the purpose beyond the profit? Like, are you finding that sometimes, well, I'll let you answer the question instead of me, like giving answers. Uh -huh. <laughs> so, so you're asking me how they come up with the purpose? Are they, how they so, come up with the purpose? Yeah. And are there other things too? Like sometimes purpose beyond profit to me means they also have like these charitable, like- uh, Yeah, good point. Thank you. Yeah. Perfect. So now that I've been in this work for so long and now purpose became such a buzzword, it's kind of annoys me at the same time. I have to be honest because now people don't use it in the right way. It, they don't use it so lightly and everywhere. And unfortunately it became a marketing tool and a slogan. First of all, that's why my, most of my talks this year, especially 2020 and maybe even to 2000. 2019 has been about what purpose is not <laughs> because now we use it in for the worst ways possible unfortunately so i want to be a voice for making sure that we use purpose i was even gonna do a linkedin post yesterday i have to write something about this anyways um but just to answer your question which is a great question i love that some companies are giving to charity but that is not a purposeful business so we have to make sure that that is a clean, like good clarification about that. I am up for companies to give volunteer time, to give some of their revenue to companies that they believe to nonprofits. But what makes a purposeful business purposeful is to have a purpose for the business itself where it doesn't stay on the wall as a wonderful vision statement that nobody knows about. Mm -hmm. It really drives every decision from then on. And sometimes you have to make the most difficult decision. And sometimes you make less money because of that, but you are aligned with it. So you can't take it lightly, first of all. And also it's not like from top down, you just do it together. When I go to companies who never had a purpose so far, you do it inclusively with everyone. And the things that come up are amazing. You want to cry sometimes, believe me, what some of the team members or people who are in the front line say about what the purpose of the company should be. And the best thing about when you do the research is like, for example, for Southwest, who's a purposeful company, in my opinion, they want to bring people together for the good events or anybody that they love in a more affordable way, right? So it's very has to do with their product and their service. And there's the WD-40 who do maintenance repair products and their purpose is creating amazing memories. Think about that. It has nothing to do even with the product itself, right? So, but they adhere to that. It's not like, oh, not a nice fancy thing to say, let's feel good about it. It's, it doesn't stay there. So after that they have, we always do the values because how you act on your purpose has to come with values. And these type of companies always recognize their people, not because of their sales numbers or what they did, it is to, how they are aligned with the purpose and the values and they start their meetings with that so it's always there 
And it's when you go to those type of companies, you can feel it in the hallways almost. People know that in their hearts what the purpose is, not because they were made to memorize it. They just really feel it and they feel like, oh my God, everything, every day I come here to wash these because I'm the, like whatever, the cleanup person in the organization, but this organization is doing good in the world. That's why I'm here. They have a sense of pride in just working for that company when it's really shared with everybody and they tie in every job description to what the purpose of the company is. So that's why it's so important for me to tell, like it's never about just having a purpose session and hanging it on the wall. It is part of everything you do. And there's so many examples, so I'm gonna shut up now. Yeah, I love that. I know that you're a big fan of and a proponent of the Humans First movement. So, you know, when Teresa asked the question, what, what is the purpose beyond profit? People, you know, that, yes. that's it. That's it. Yes. For me, there's a question that I'm thinking about people at the moment. You know, they've been through very difficult situations. Yes. It's been traumatic, but it's also an opportunity. So some people talk about purpose and they thought, well, is it important? Is it a push or is it a pull? So that's the, the, the concept that I'm interested in. And given that you probably helped so many people over the years find their purpose, do you think it matters? Is there a difference? Do you see any better fulfillment achievement if someone who is pulled to it or can someone be pushed into it? You didn't listen to your heart until you were pushed from a physiological yeah. sort of point. Is it important, push or pull? Such a good question. And I never was asked in that same way. So thank you for that. So I think most of us like live so unconsciously, unfortunately, we don't listen to ourselves. We don't listen to what our soul says, although the messages are usually very clear, right? And when I didn't listen, just like you were summarizing my story, like again, okay, physical issues. Now I know I have to quit, right? Because my mind and my heart were saying two different things. So, but my, almost my goal in life, one of my goals in life is never ever to wait that long ever again. I don't want this huge, horrible things to happen to me to get an awakening moment, right? We can get awakened before that. So hopefully it's not push, but the human nature and the way we are raised and the consciousness level we have, unfortunately only says like, oh, this is crisis situation. Even this like pandemic we're going through, I think is an amazing opportunity for all of us to sit down and say, okay, what's important in life? Obviously health. We always say health, but really people are dying by thousands right now. So it is really health. And we want all of our loved ones to be healthy, but then, okay, how do I spend my time in this earth, like it's a limited time. So I know some people are doing some reflection, which I'm so happy and grateful for, but I am also wishing always that like, let's get pulled into it, not wait for the most horrible thing to happen because I've seen over and over again, even for my clients, somebody dies, they have an accident, they have a big illness or whatever that wakes them up. Oh, I have to do something, right? And for many people, even if you don't have the horrible things happening, it's in your 30s, 40s, that you start to ask, oh, my life is going really fast. What am I going to do with it? Am I really going to stay at this job that sucks big time? Unfortunately, sometimes the bad things that happen to us really awakes us. So maybe for some of us, that's going to be the case. But I am hoping with everything you guys are doing, everything that I'm writing there, I mean, there's hundreds and thousands of us right now who want to increase the consciousness level in self-awareness. So hopefully 
with that movement, we're going to have more people doing it without waiting too long is, is my wish. Yeah. Here, I have a client yesterday, we were having our conversation and she got into describing an experience she was having and then continued to sort of ask seven rapid fire questions in a row, like why and 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 I'm like, ooh, have you answered any one of those questions? <laughs> just, I'm curious. It sounds like you know these questions. These are well-rehearsed questions. Uh -huh. Almost like uh, you just play the tape and go through the gamut of them and then move on in your emotional day as yeah. you really would. And yeah. so I asked her, I said, what do you think it might be like if you were to pause and answer the first one? Uh -huh. and, and then the second one might even be slightly different. And she's yes. like, I don't know, I've never actually spent time answering those questions. And we had a good chuckle about it. Uh -huh. <laughs> said, okay. So yeah. here's the assignment is when you catch yourself rattling through, especially why based questions, yes. give yourself a moment to yes. answer them, like to yes. in them and answer them. And to your point, now is a spectacular time to do that because we are saving hours every week, not having to drive to all these places we used to have to drive to, might as well fill it with answering some of those questions lingering in your head. Yes. I think a lot of people really are having a very difficult time to do that self work because it is hard. Mm -hmm. It is hard to find out some other stuff that you don't know about yourself. And then the second part I think scares a lot of people. And I hear some of my, even my friends saying, I don't want to work with you individually because what if I found out I had this horrible job that wasn't really aligned with who I am for 25 years. And I'm saying, why don't you want to find out now? Maybe the next 20 years is going to be much better. Like, but if, I mean, there's so much fear attached to that. And once they know, they know they can't maybe give up anymore. So now it's going to make them even more uncomfortable. Now I know what I need to do, but I'm still not doing it. So feeling guilty. So there's that dynamic that comes up too. So it's not, it's not, I mean, I think for people like us who are always curious, naturally want to know more and learn more. It's maybe easier. So that's why I feel like I'm lucky in that way, I think. But because some people are so fearful to go into the process and answer those questions or take the time. I don't know. It freezes them up sometimes, really. So true. Yeah. I think, you know, the missing thing that you said there, Teresa, was that it wasn't going through all those, those questions. And starting with the first one, it was having you there to direct and reflect those yeah bombardment and just having that person there whether it's a coach or a friend or mm -hmm. a parent or whatever it might be it's such an important extra that people need to you know, ask the questions you know be be confident to start probing so uh, it's that sort of time we have to say so uh, it's hashtag not anymore we want to ask you for some kind of golden nugget something to share with our listeners you've already given us a whole lot of great things to, to think about so maybe thinking of some people who are maybe new to new to this concept of purpose, people who are listening to this. So there's a friend of ours who's been on the show and he talks about the Ikigai, you know, the, the four things on this diagram and, you know, what you're good at, what you can get paid for, what the world needs. And I always forget the last one, but love. what do you love? Yeah, sorry. <laughs> what's your passion? Yeah, that's it. What's, a, what's, a, what's an easy thing that someone can do to start the journey of finding the purpose? Um, I think the easiest thing that I always tell my clients to do is like open up a notebook that you're going to save for years to come, hopefully, or it, like a folder, a document on your laptop or your phone, which is easier and always with us nowadays. 
is to start like writing down maybe at the end of every day what part of your day was most precious to you what part of the day was like a flow to you and just pay attention to what you were doing who you are with what was the location what were you doing that made you feel like this is me this is really like Brooke. So because we don't go by our days by paying attention, even when we're done with the 10 year old job, we don't even have a list of things that we love or we hate it. So just the simplest thing that they can do is really start paying attention during the day and or having a whole review of the day at the end of the day to see what made you excited and happy. And then you will see the trends over time. That's why it should be a document that's there for a while. It's not gonna happen in two or three days. Just paying attention to being in the flow and being in excited mode. What are the things that you love to do? Just, and from the general, when with, I'm with my clients, I start with them like, what do you love to do? Just anything. Having a cup of coffee with girlfriends goes into the list, right? It doesn't have to be about work. So then we go and narrow and narrow it down to see what it could be in terms of work. And I always say it doesn't even have to be paid work. If you feel like you're never going to be able to quit your job anytime soon, have something in your life that means something to you. And it could be a couple of hours a week, but definitely embrace something like that, which is going to feed your soul. So, and I can go on forever. So I'm going to stop there. <laughs> Perfect. Yeah. It all starts with paying attention. I love it. Thank you so much for that. Now, um, as I said, people are going to want to find out more. They want to know how they can contact you, get in touch, connect. What are the, what are the ways that people can uh, reach out to you, Brooke? Um, I think LinkedIn is the easiest way because I'm pretty active there. Connect with me there. And they can also mention that they saw me with you guys so that I know. And also Brooke at Purposeful.Business is my email. So either way could work for me. Thank you so much. So now we get to the fun bit. Uh, you said before we started recording, you were, you're excited about this. It's the rapid fire Q&A. 10 statements, two choices. Interpret it as suits you, whatever's on your heart. Are you ready? Number one, manager or leader? Leader. Uh, number two, active or reactive? Active. Number three, black and white or gray? Gray. Number four, optimist or realist? Optimist. Uh, number five, Canada or England? Canada. Sorry. <laughs> uh, number six, we do need to change that one. Uh, number six, heart or head? Heart, for sure. Number seven, empathy or assertiveness? Empathy. Uh, number eight, introvert or extrovert? I don't want to make a choice between the two, but I'm an extrovert, so I'll go with that. <laughs> uh, number nine, logical or emotional? Emotional. And number 10, innovation or process? Innovation. That was Thank you so much. I really appreciate you uh, joining us today on the show, sharing some of your uh, many years of wisdom. And, and I hope the audience has really taken a, a lot from that and it sparked something on them. And, you know, that's the first step towards, you know, finding that purpose and living that purpose, being yeah. that purpose. Thank you so much, Brooke. And thank you for having me. And thank you for the very great questions that you asked. One of some of the best questions I've ever been asked. Thank you. Really. I'm, I'm <laughs> well, not... That's thank amazing. You. <laughs> 
I would like to also thank you for like your beautiful heart, your spirit and energy was just so lovely to spend the hour with. Thank you for sharing that and popping it into the world on a regular basis. The best way for us to find out if we are giving you, our listener, the value of your time by helping you think differently so you can do differently is if you write a review and give a rating on whatever podcast platform you're listening to us on.